A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Bottoming the podcast about LGBTQ mental health, rock bottoming and beyond. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at bottomingpod or visit bottomingpodcast.com for more content relating to each episode. We've also added a support page to direct you to the right place if you're struggling or need someone to talk to. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe. Hello, I'm Matthew. And I'm Brendan. And our pronouns are he and him. And this is our first episode for LGBT Plus History Month. Very exciting. It is very exciting. Yeah. We've been planning this for not too long, actually. This um, We obviously decided to come back in December, so this was quite a last-minute thing we decided to do. But we want to use this episode as a chance to explore our community a little bit further um, and use it as a chance to celebrate as well. And we are speaking to some incredible guests um, quite a range of people that have got some incredible stories, experiences, different topics. So we hope that you learn from this series. I know that we definitely have it in our interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as well, when we, we did a few of these interviews after we'd um, binged It's a Sin, and I think seeing, especially on socials, the reaction to It's a Sin mm-hmm. um, and how much people have celebrated that program obviously it's discussing quite a dark topic isn't it Mm -hmm. as well as the recent interviews and conversations that we've had for previous episodes of this season it just feels um even more i don't know say poignant at this point i think for Mm -hmm. us to be having these conversations and i think if anything even though we've spent what feels like eternity in lockdown (laughs) without seeing anyone other than each other on screen mm-hmm. as well like everyone we've interviewed obviously has all been on screen as well like i know i personally probably feel more connected to the community than i've ever felt before mm-hmm. i think i would say I'd, um, I'd, I'd agree which is a really lovely feeling so yeah um yeah we're, we're very proud of these um episodes so 
we really hope that you enjoy listening to them and, and yeah and take something away from them as well there's so many other things that you can um listen to read watch that are doing um really incredible incredible things um on the the history front so once you've finished this fantastic episode that we were coming up what we would recommend is a few listens and a few follows that you should do. Um, firstly, we would we can't recommend highly enough the Logbooks podcast. Um, so we actually spoke to Tash Walker, um, who is the co-chair of LGBT Switchboard, but we spoke to Tash in our very first um, interview, actually for Bottoming. So Tash is one of the co-hosts of the Logbooks and they tell the untold history of the LGBT community and the calls that Switchboard received from the 70s, the 80s. Um, season 2 is just finished. It explored 1980 to the late 80s, I think. The first three episodes are particularly um, important. So they cover um, calls around HIV and the start of the HIV epidemic and AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you listen carefully to the end of episode 1, you may also notice a little voice that sounds familiar. Shameless plug, um, shameless. <laughs> but it is a fantastic, fantastic series, so I can't recommend that highly enough. You can also follow AKT, Stonewall, Mermaids and UK Black Pride, um, who are all going to be doing things this month. So yeah, check them out on socials. I will say, though, that it was only at maybe the past couple of years that I started to research more into the LGBT community and the history of the LGBT community um, because I think I said in, in the community episode having a lot of stigma and shame towards who I was did influence what I wanted to learn about what I wanted to know about mm-hmm. because also you know in terms of the the HIV pandemic there was a lot of stigma towards um, being gay in general and I think in terms of life prospects you know thinking from a really negative point of view and 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 growing up when you know the media was still very against homosexuality um it did feel like you know the options weren't as bright as Mm -hmm. as they actually could be um and i will say the more i'm learning about everything that our community has been through over the years it just makes me incredibly proud of the resilience that we've got. And I think what's been really amazing from these interviews, especially listening to, you know, new voices like Ben and Alim and, um, you know, documentations of old stories um, of people being in um, mental health hospitals trying to be cured for being gay. Um, It does make me... um, yeah incredibly proud of who i am and and the the legacy we've got as as a community okay so you've just dropped a little bit of a, a little teaser in that bit there by dropping a name for a future episode so we'll keep that quiet for now my apologies but back to this episode we um obviously are discussing interviewing benjamin dean um who's got a fantastic book coming out tomorrow actually when you listen to this episode it comes out the 4th of february me my dad and the end of the rainbow But before we do, we kind of want to give you a little bit of context as to why we wanted to have Ben on the episode to begin with um, and why also the book is such an incredible release. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, the age me and Brendan are at right now, and I think a lot of the people that listen to us as well, um, 
were in the education system in the UK when Section 28 um, was was legalised, was, was in place. Um, we do discuss this in our education episode in Season 1. But just a quick overview for anyone that doesn't know what Section 28 is. Um, it was brought in by the um, Conservative government um, in 1988. And it essentially was to prohibit the, the promotion of homosexuality by local authorities. So this was partially inspired by a 1983 book um, that was called Jenny Lives with Erica Martin. And this book was aimed to give children information about different types of family relationships. So the Prime Minister at the time, who was Margaret Thatcher, she said, and you may have seen this quote because this um, crops up quite a lot. She said, children who need to be taught to respect traditional moral values are being taught that they have an inalienable right to be gay. All of those children are being cheated of a sound start in life. So, of course, there was many a protest by LGBT campaigners, but that unfortunately did not stop the law being passed. Um, and that remained in law until 2000 in Scotland and until 2003 in the United Kingdom. So when this was in place, this meant that there was no um, sort of education, no LGBT inclusive lessons in schools, um, no materials, no books that quote unquote promoted um, any sort of positive portrayal of um, LGBT existence. So if this is when this is in place that isn't just a case of not being able to read a story that involves um a same-sex relationship or um a story about a lgbt character this means things like teachers not really being able to step in when kids are being bullied for being um lgbt or maybe not even being they may not even be lgbt and still being um homophobically abused and teachers would feel unequipped to be able to step in with this so it was a shit law and it made a lot of people's and young people's lives hell. With all this being said, we're obviously in a very different time right now. Um, we may still have a conservative government. Um, steps may be being rolled back. Um, LGBT rights are under attack in different countries across the world. But things are progressing um, and stories are being told. So... Yeah, we wanted to chat to Ben about the book. It comes out tomorrow. Make sure you buy it. Make sure you read it. If you know any children, you've got any children in your life, buy it and give it to them. Mm -hmm. It is an absolute joy. So let's hand it over to Ben. Hi, I'm Benjamin Dean. I'm an author and celebrity reporter. Please don't call me Benjamin, though. My name's Ben. Um, Benjamin Dean is just the author part of the name. You know, makes me sound nice and fancy. <laughs> um, but yeah. We am... Um, very very pleased to have you here obviously i think I just need to put it out there that we've been friends for a number of years now don't so. tell them <laughs> <laughs> so um it kind of it was a no-brainer for me to ask you to be on here not just as a friend but also um i've kind of seen the process of this book as it's come to life so um the fact that it was coming out while we were planning these episodes it, it just um it meant a lot to me to have you on here so i was very pleased that you managed to fit us in your very busy, important <laughs> schedule that you're not under you've got right now. Just don't you go telling them about the early drafts that you read, because that doesn't exist. <laughs> we burned that in the fires. Don't tell them about how this book really looked when we first started. Um, but yeah, no, I'm very, very, very happy to be here. But we, we're not getting any friend privileges. Yeah, no, I mean... This. I'm doing so, this for free, can you believe? Oh, well, the book, well, the book is out tomorrow. Well, when this episode comes out, the book mm -hmm. is released tomorrow. Um. Uh -huh. 
we still have not read the book. We've read the first three chapters that are online that you shared, but I still do not know what this book contains, like everyone else. Well, the mm-hmm. people that reviewed it, but um, so I'm just as, as excited as everyone else to read it. Um, but I've got a question for you. Obviously, Archie Albright is the the main character of this book. What was um, Benjamin Dean? um, What was Benjamin Dean like as an 11-year-old? You have never called me Benjamin in your life. Don't (laughs) pretend. You're very naughty, Benjamin. (laughs) (laughs) That's very what my mum calls me if I'm in trouble. Benjamin. She actually does call me Benjamin Dean if I'm in trouble, so this is kind of good. Me as a kid, like, Archie's 12, so around about, like, 11, 12, I was probably pretty similar to him in a lot of ways um i'm not really i wasn't really much of a rule breaker very much of a rule follower um don't really think i knew myself as i don't think any like 11 12 year old really knows himself um i think i was just kind of muddling through and trying to like find my way a little bit but i would say i was quite a happy outgoing kid like i was always that kid in class that always had their hand up in the air oh miss i know the answer to that <laughs> um i always wanted to stand up and like do the readings i want to be in every school assembly i auditioned to be in the rock band but i can't sing so i can get in i was very gutted about it um (laughs) but yeah i would say kind of similar to archie just not really much of a rule breaker when things change you're a bit like oh no what's happening i don't like change um i think being a kid i always wanted to grow up um and i've wanted that pretty much my entire life (laughs) like i get to another age i'm like okay but i want to be here um i think that's probably stopped now i'm like 27 now but when I was like all the way up to uni, even I was in my first, second year of uni and people would be like, oh, I wish we could do first year all over again. And I was like, no, mom, get me out of here. I want to be an adult. I want money. Like, I don't want this nonsense about staying in school because no offense, but as students, we're broke. Like I'm eating super noodles 17 times a week because that's all I can afford. Like the nutrition's just not there. So, but as a kid, I just wanted to grow up. That's what I wanted and so can you tell us a bit about who Archie Albright is? Yeah, so he is my main character and the story for me, my dad and the end of the rainbow is told through his perspective. Um, he's, it's a first person um, narrative and he knows that his parents hate each other, which is maybe something I could relate to when I was growing up. Um, but he knows his parents hate each other and he knows that they're keeping a secret from him um, and he wants to figure out what that secret is. Um, spoiler alert someone's gay um but yeah i think archie's just like i said about me just trying to figure out what's going on around him he's got his like staple which is him and his two best friends who are bell and seb and in their own little bubble they feel nice and safe and when things start to kind of rock that a little bit um is when he starts to get quite nervous and panicky so yeah that's a little nutshell of archie for you and I think just to clarify for anyone that's still a little bit unsure, I know we speak nearly every day when we're playing Fortnite. Um, do. But one of the things that you've mentioned to me, which always makes you laugh, is obviously it's called Me, My Dad and the End of the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. And you've had a few people question you on like the, the idea that it is an autobiography, especially since the book cover come out. And yeah. it's, it's seen <laughs> that the lead character is a black character. Yeah. What what are your what are your thoughts on that? Um, it, it started way back when we decided on the title for the book. The title for the book took a long time to cement into place because I didn't like anything that my publisher was giving me, and my publisher didn't like anything I was giving them. 
And I was like, but wait a minute, I wrote the book, can I not just name it? But it's um, like, it's a whole collaborative process, which I think a lot of debut authors don't understand um, until you're going through the process, is that you're talking to people who have marketing in mind and have advertising in mind and know the market and know what books are out there and what trends are selling well. So when someone comes to me from the marketing department and says, hi, this title that we've given you, this option, we all think is fantastic and will fit in to, we'll, we'll like go with the cover and it will go on the shelf and it will, it should sell really well. What do you think? And you don't like it. You're a bit like, mm. but the problem I had with me, my dad and the end of the rainbow was that it sounded like, as one of my friends put it, like an essay. Like it sounded like I was writing something about my relationship with my dad, mm. um, which wow, could never be me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I from there was when people, I think started to assume that maybe this was not fiction. This was me talking about like my life and my life's not been that interesting. So I don't think I'd write a book on it. <laughs> um, but then when people started to read bits and bobs and knew that it was in first person and it says, I, I kind of just assumed that it was, kind of common knowledge that like first person narratives in fiction are like a thing and when you say i the author's not talking about themselves because it's a character called archie who's not called ben yeah he's also 12 i'm 27 like there's quite a lot of difference here um and yeah i remember my mum reading a very small section which included a description of archie's mum and she thought i was talking about her and i was like wait what but no, <laughs> you're nothing to do with this. So sorry, but you are nothing to do with this, mother. Um, and yeah, I've had people be like, so because the character, obviously the, you can see on the cover, the character is black, uh, people tend to jump to the conclusion that if it's not entirely about me, it must be slightly about me. Um, but I've been up front and said through pretty much every interview that I've done that I don't have the best relationship slash no relationship with my own dad. So this is definitely not autobiographical at all <laughs> in the slightest. Like I don't have that relationship with my dad. And if anything, although parts of Archie and parts of the story are uh, inspired, not purposely, but retrospectively are inspired by my life or me. Um, I think it was more uh, writing what I would have wanted the relationship with my dad to be like. Not necessarily, I don't want a relationship with my dad. I should clarify that. Well, me just being like, that's therapy. Yeah. And me just being here like, yeah, so I don't want a relationship with my dad. <laughs> um, but writing this, I was like, oh, wow, I get to actually kind of explore a healthy mm -hmm. relationship between a father and a son who love each other so much. And then this one thing comes through and rocks the boat. And mm -hmm. now they're trying to get back to where they were before. And mm -hmm. um, that's not based on my life at all. So... Mm. Yeah, if you read the book, not my life story at all. In the slightest. See, now you've experienced bottoming <laughs> the podcast, bottoming the, 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 the podcast. <laughs> so now you know what it's like to, you know, that, that therapy session side mm. of it. Oh, absolutely. I just feel like I should pay you by the hour. <laughs> <laughs> so you've obviously noted the very clear differences between you and Archie. Um, mm. What were the main inspirations for the book if it wasn't your your life? Um, I think, uh, you know, when you're an author and I, I always want to put author in quotation marks because I don't believe I'm an author yet, but when you're an author or a writer, I think ideas, the best ideas just kind of hit you out of nowhere. And I'm lazy. Like, let's just put that out there. Like I am so lazy. I want to find a shortcut for everything. So I'm not going to sit at a table and be like, right, we're going to brainstorm ideas today. What can we do? What, what's your next book? Blah, blah, blah. So 
this one in particular I remember, and I don't know why I remember this because I shouldn't because it was such a non-event. But I remember I was on the tube and the one-line concept came into my head. It, like all my books come to me in like a one-line concept, like a vague thing. Um, and it was married dad comes out gay. Oh, I just gave away the secret. No, I'm joking. Everyone knows. <laughs> um, yeah, that came to me there. And that is loosely inspired, I guess, by, you know, I've been out since I was 15 and I've known so many people over the years who came out later in life, some of who came out when they had had kids or were married um, and didn't realise until they were well into their 30s that they were gay. Um, so loosely inspired on that, like I knew many people like that when I was at uni and when I moved to London. And then also um, seeing the families that go to Pride together has always intrigued me, especially the ones that aren't necessarily from a gay family themselves. So like Matthew, when we were at Pride in 2019, it definitely wasn't 2020. Um, <laughs> I think one of your friends arrived with like her husband or boyfriend and their newborn baby. And it just, when I, I remember, I remember seeing them and being like, you don't have to be here. Like no one's like, I go to Pride because I want to, but also part of me feels like almost like a duty to go because you want to show up for your community and you want to be there mm -hmm. to support. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're straight, and you have no like duty to go to pride whatsoever and show your support you really don't you can just pretend that's not happening and i remember looking at this newborn kid and being like wow you're going to grow up in such like an accepted household like whether you grow up to be gay or straight or anything your parents are, it looks to me like you i don't even know your parents but it looks to me like your parents are going to accept you whatever which is what we all want as kids mm -hmm. um and so the idea of families and the different forms they come in just made me think of how I could like explore that in the book. So that was probably another big inspiration that came later on down the line because I'd already started working on the book at that point. But I remember that 2019 Pride being like, oh, like at that point I'd run into a bit of trouble with the book. I was drafting the book just wasn't going to plan at all. Um, I think I'd had like a 20, 30,000 word manuscript and I'd scrapped the whole thing and started again and I was furious with myself. Um, and so going to Pride really rejuvenated the uh, writing experience. Like, I don't want to, I won't give too many spoilers, but like Pride itself as an event does play like a huge element of the book. And that was only because I'd been to Pride 2019 and been like, wait a minute, why am I, I was so bored by what I'd already written. And I should never admit that. But the very <laughs> first draft that I ended up scrapping, which Matthew saw like the first couple of chapters of, I was so bored. And Matthew, I'm sorry, we should not be friends because you should have told me that you were bored. I was oh, I was so mad at myself. There was just, it was so flat and so typical for what you expect of like your cliche LGBTQ plus story of like, oh no, someone's come out as gay and now they're being bullied. And oh no, like that was really the route I was going down. And I was like, why are you doing that? Like, I don't want to write about people being bullied and the hardships that come with it. I, I think part of it, which we'll maybe get onto later, was just exploring the idea that it is just normalizing it for kids mm -hmm. and being like, yeah, it's a big deal, but not a big deal because people hate it. It's a big deal because things have changed and we don't know how to move forward from here. Um, I've gone off in a massive tangent. <laughs> pride, yeah. Pride was a huge inspiration behind the book. I'm so sorry. I just have to talk. I haven't had human interaction in so long. So, much fun. so I will say I did only read a couple of chapters and the 
the couple of chapters that did read were great. There was no bullying no, involved. There was no yeah, bullying yeah. involved. They were still in that same house that it began in, so I I couldn't be too critical. Um, yeah. But I will just shout out to Sophie, Matt, and Elodie. Um, they were the people that Ben mentioned that were a pride. So Elodie like was rocked up in the the most fabulous little rainbow outfit. I mean, you a, love it the more. cutest picture. <laughs> um, I'm holding there. She's kind of decked out in rainbows, flags, loving the parade. Yeah, she's just Sophia Mass, just the most fantastic, supportive, biggest yeah. allies you've ever met. So yeah, LED honestly could also the most. Honestly, she's gonna grow up just to be the most fantastic being whatever whatever happens yeah. so i um, definitely touched on in the book i definitely touched on uh all the different kinds of families and like two dads two mums single parents um like adopted parents etc like obviously in a, especially in a children's book it's difficult to flesh those things out entirely because you've got basically one or two storylines to really focus on and you've only got a set amount of words but I definitely wanted to give glimpses um, to Archie and his friends of here are all of these people with all different forms of families living their lives and being happy. So definitely based off Elodie. Cool. Shout out mm-hmm. to <laughs> I guess that, that leads on to what I was going to ask you next, next, actually, about representation in, in books, especially for younger audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously all grew up in the same the same type of, um, or the same the same era. Mm-hmm. Um the shadows or the, the end of and the shadows of section 28 especially so our access to books and stuff that maybe had these type of stories and were just non-existent whereas kids now will be able to access these stories and it will just be normal for them to read um stories and experiences like this so yeah. um i guess it's, it's i don't know if it's more of a comment or a or a question but um Oh, I'll answer it either way. Which I guess, <laughs> um, I guess you kind of already covered like the importance of the representa- representation in it and, and why you tried to do that. So um, I guess the question from that would be what your thoughts have been on the responses you've had from that so far. Because mm-hmm. I know you've had reviews and stuff in, so kind of what what you've had from the responses so far around that. Yeah, I mean, even just before that, like I know like, I just touched on like the representation part about how important representation is, but like something that is, I didn't even think of when I was writing the book was the fact that um, teachers would get a hold of the book and teachers would want to introduce the book into their classrooms because obviously we're aiming it at kids. You know, the readership is largely nine to 12. Anyone above the age of nine can read the book. Um, But the response to the book so far from like early readers, which have included a lot of teachers has been, incredibly like overwhelming i don't think i'd anticipated um when you when you're sitting in your bedroom stressed about the beginning of something that you haven't even started and the end seems so far away you can't even begin to envision that it will actually become a full book never mind that other people will read that book and other people will have a response to that book whether it be good or bad and something that I just hadn't anticipated, even when the book was done and the proofs went out and early readers started to trickle in, I hadn't really anticipated how good reviews would have an effect on me. I just kind of, you just think negative reviews will have that effect. Whereas if someone doesn't like my work, yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, I am bothered a little bit, but um, <laughs> no, it doesn't really like take a hold of me so much. Like I did my thing, I did the best I could. If you don't like it, I'm sorry read something else 
Um, but the good reviews that came in really, really hit me hard. Like it was emotionally taxing. I had people emailing me and this is before release. Like we're at this point that we're doing the recording, we're still two weeks out from release date. So this is only early release people that have read the book. Um, but I had someone email me at like 11 at night being like, hi Ben, like uh, they run an independent uh, bookshop for kids. Um, and she's a lesbian and a mum. And she emailed me like, hi Ben, like I've just had a wine and I just finished the book. I just went to say how much I loved it. And like, I love that. That is great. I love someone loving the book so much that they felt the need at 11 o'clock at night to email me and be like I wanted to tell you that I loved it but the bit that really got me was that obviously like as a mum herself she was kind of like I wish we had these books when we were younger and Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that our kids now will have this when she said our kids like she obviously wasn't talking about me because (laughs) not for me not in my stars personally but um I was so knocked for six when she said it I was just like oh my God, like, that's what I wanted to happen. And I didn't even realize it. Like, of course, I want people to read the book and to see themselves represented in the page or look at themselves on screen and see themselves represented there. Because kids see themselves, when kids see themselves represented, I think it's just a healthy thing for them to be able to look and be like, oh, yeah, look, there's me living my life being great. Whereas when you're shown kids, when when kids are shown things that are kind of like normalized, i.e. like, beauty standards and uh, how you should look and how you should act and not anything else you're kind of given like this image that what you're doing if it's not that is wrong and you don't want that like as someone who grew up thinking you needed to be this this and this to be great and me being like but I'm not this this and this um I wanted to counteract that like when I was a kid if I could have read a book like what I wrote not to toot my own horn but if I could have read a book, anything that included just gay people in it, I would have felt much less weird. Like at the time you feel like, oh my God, it's just me. Oh, I'm the only other person to ever come out as gay. Oh my God. Um, and I want people to read the book and have that kind of response. And I just, yeah, getting that, although I wanted that response, getting the response I wasn't expecting, you don't expect that something you've written is going to get that kind of response out of someone. Like, mm. maybe you do if you're, like, overconfident. But although I, although I believe in the work that I do and I, I, I don't think I'm a shabby writer, it's still you still don't think that someone's going to read the words that you wrote when you were, like, huddled up in bed covering <laughs> some tonsillitis or something. Um, you just don't think that someone's going to be like, oh, yeah, this is this has brought something out of me. Like, I had someone tweet me being like, um, I've got work tomorrow morning, but I'm staying up by torchlight to read your book, like because I want to finish it so bad. And I was like, this is before release. <laughs> like I'm bowled over by the fact that someone couldn't put the book down to go to bed and be up early in the morning for work. They had to turn on a torch, a torch. I don't know why they can turn on the lamp, but okay, um, <laughs> to, like read the book by torchlight to finish it. Just a, a response that I couldn't even have dreamed of. Um, but yeah. So on like a selfish note, can you, um, you're going to read some of the book for us? Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, it's, this is from way into the book. I've never read an extract so far into the book before, <laughs> but because I'm reading something so small, I feel like you can't link the dots to what's happening at this point. So it's just kind of like a speech that's been given by an older person to Archie. When I told Michael about Dora, it was the hardest thing I think I've ever had to do. 
I went over and over it for days, which turned into weeks. And before I knew it, it had been six months and I still didn't know what I wanted to say or how I wanted to say it. I didn't want to upset Michael, especially after everything that had happened with his dad. And I didn't want things between us to change. All I knew was that life was passing me by and that living with such a secret is no way to be happy. And that's all I wanted, to be happy like everybody else. When I told Michael, I started and I stuttered my way through it like I didn't know how to speak words. And sure, when it was done, things were a little awkward for a minute, but I never loved him any less. And I don't think he loved me any less either. It was just something new and change takes some getting used to. One thing I've learned since then is that life can be delicate and frail, but it can also be full of color and wonder. You just have to let it in and you must, you must let it in. I don't know anything about your dad, but I do know that he's probably just as confused and scared about everything as you've been. And I'd bet my last penny that he still loves you just as much. In fact, this whole thing might have made him realize that he loves you even more. To the generation that came before me, I would say thank you. Thank you for everything that you did for us. We stand on the shoulders of giants and it's all thanks to you. Uh, to the generation that will come after me, I would say um, learn your history in the best way that you can. Stand up for those in our community whose voices aren't as loud as yours. Be kind to each other and never give up the fight for equality. I hear a congratulations is in order. For me. <laughs> for <laughs> Definitely not for you. <laughs> it is. So, as well as being, well, my book of the year. He is um, Waterstone's book of the month. Oh my gosh, that's so, so yeah. exciting. Which is an enormous deal, actually. For LGBT so, History Month as well. Yeah. Congratulations, Ben. You earned it, babes. So to finish the episode off, we wanted to just highlight an organisation that is doing some really good work um, in the space. So we spoke to Freya from AKT, who is going to tell us a little bit more about the work that they're doing. Uh, so AKT is the National LGBTQ Plus Youth Homeless Charity. So we work with LGBTQ Plus people who are 16 to 25 who are experiencing homelessness, abuse or living in a hostile environment. Um, so at AKT, I work as supporter care officer. So I work in the fundraising team uh, and I look after the charity's corporate individual and community supporters. Um, I manage the supporter inbox where we get lots of different fundraising emails, uh, have contact with regular donors and LGBTQ networks from many different organisations. And currently I'm organising sessions that we're doing throughout February for LGBTQ plus history month. Um, so we're delivering those to businesses, networks, schools, universities, charities, and other organizations. COVID has had an uh, impact uh, on our LGBTQ young people where family relationships have been strained with unaccepting parents, kicking their children out, um, or them having to plead for safety. There's been financial turmoil with young people facing unemployment and being evicted uh, despite the eviction ban. Um, there's also many young people that we work with who are considered hidden homeless um, who like for example are sofa surfing and that's 
obviously been a lot more challenging uh, during the pandemic. So there are a lot more young people presenting to us now as rough sleeping um, as they're unable to sofa surf uh, on account of lockdown. Um, so yeah, in 2020, there was a fivefold increase in young people presenting to AKT as rough sleeping compared with 2019. And it's been a really busy year uh, where we had a 118% increase in new referrals from April to August last year, compared with the same period in 2019. So lockdown has yeah, definitely had a big impact on us as a charity and on our young people. Uh, and as long as well as the um, impact on, on housing, there's obviously an impact uh, on mental health too. Um, and lockdown can be difficult for everyone um, with mental health, but there's, it's especially hard if you don't have a safe place to call home. Um, and there's you know, many feelings of anxiety and loneliness, uh, and it's much harder to connect with uh, the queer community where people might have been able to be part of you know, community groups and been able to go out of the house and, and meet up with people in a way that, that's a lot harder uh, now. Yeah, to support um, the work that we're doing now, we're currently running our winter campaign, which is called AK Together. And you can see all the information about that on our website, which is akt.org.uk slash AK Together. Um, there's many different ways of supporting. Uh, there's, of course, donating, organising a fundraiser, registering uh, your interest for our on volunteer programme, which is currently paused, but you can fill out a form on our website to register your interest for when it reopens. Other ways, such as sharing our posts on social media, signing up for our e-newsletter, and letting us know if your place of work or study would like to ever have a speaker from AKT to spread the word, are uh, all different ways of supporting that we're really grateful for. Yeah, it's definitely been a very difficult time for everyone during during the pandemic, but it's been amazing to see the support that we've received from the community and the different ways in which people have supported us. Um, if you have any questions or would like to know more about anything, then you can email me at freya at akt.org.uk and lots of information on our website if you want to know any more. To the generation that came before me, I would say thank you and a reminder that your strength and your story is in everything that we now continue to do and we are forever grateful. To the generation that comes after me, I would say thank you for continuing to carry the torch. Remember whose shoulders you are stood on and remember how brilliant you all are because you are truly truly paving the way for a brighter future for us all and we thank you for that and when i'm old and gray i will thank you for that so yes thank you so that rounds off episode one of our four-parter um join us next week when we'll be talking to tommy dickinson um who was the author of curing queers and a conversation with band conversion therapy so yeah thank you for listening make sure you go and buy yourself a copy of me my dad and the end of the rainbow go and give the logbooks a listen and we will see you next week
You're doing amazing, sweetie. You're doing amazing, sweetie. You're doing amazing, sweetie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 